If there are two things that are for certain in my life right now, it is that one, I'm really trying to prioritize the food that I put in my body because I know what I feed myself. I end up feeding baby Poppy. And two, I do not have a lot of time. And even if I have aspirations of having these great balanced meals, sometimes I just do not have enough time to follow through on that, which is why I'm so happy that I have discovered Factor. And Factor makes these delicious, ready-to-eat meals. They're fresh, they're never frozen, they're chef-crafted, dietitian approved and they're ready to eat in just two minutes. So they are perfect for me on those really busy mom days when both kids are going crazy, and they're perfect for my husband when he has long shifts at the hospital. He doesn't really get a meal break, so he can just pop one in the microwave, and it's ready in just two minutes. And I love that they are no fuss, no mess meals, and they're good. They're really good. Plus, you can customize your weekly meals with flexibility so you can get as much or as little as you need. We need different amounts on different weeks, and so this is perfect for us. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons every week, like breakfast, on-the-go lunches, snacks, beverage. So it really is just perfect for us. So head to factormeals.com slash inminutes50 to use code inminutes50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. That's code inminutes50 at factormeals.com slash inminutes50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Hello and welcome to the Mindful in Minutes podcast, a guided meditations podcast brought to you by Yoga For You. I'm Kelly and today I'll be leading you through your meditation. So go ahead and get comfortable, settle in, and enjoy your meditation practice. Hey guys. Um, we're not quite back yet with another meditation. I promised I will have one for you on Sunday, but I thought that um, that we'd do something a little bit different. So something that um, I have a lot of you asking me about and I get a lot of emails and DMs and stuff about it is my story and how did um, I get where I am today, what led me to meditation, all of, all of those um, different things. And so I thought that I would just kind of once and for all answer those questions and and kind of tell you my story. So you may have seen on social media or maybe you got it um, via email, but this month is Joy Lie. And part of that is because I personally am trying to get my joy back. I've I've had just a lot going on in life, uh, some tricky things and whatnot. And so, yeah, so I'm trying to find my joy back. And part of that, I think, is just allowing myself to be a little bit more open and um, connecting with people a little bit more. So I thought this was the perfect time to to share my story. So if you are waiting for the meditation, I'm sorry, you're not going to get one on this episode. Um, but I do hope that you'll stick around and um, I'm not just this disembodied voice that speaks to you while you're meditating. And I get a lot of messages and emails from you guys telling me about you, and I thought it was only fair that I finally tell you more about me and uh, the voice that is behind Mindful in Minutes. So you probably know my name, uh, Kelly, and that I am a yoga and meditation teacher based in the U.S., and I do retreats, trainings, um, and of course, guided meditations and um, this podcast. And I certainly do all of those things, um, but it took me a while to get there, and that's not always what I've done. 
So I started yoga when I was a teenager, and it was a form of cross-training for my sports. So I was definitely there 100% um, because I wanted to become more flexible, and that was it. I was doing sports like gymnastics, volleyball, softball, um, even some basketball and dance, and I knew that flexibility would help me with all of those things. So I just went to yoga to go get my stretch on, and I was very against like the mindfulness component. Um, I'd only go to like power yoga classes, and I even used to be a shavasana skipper, which is um, you know shavasana is that last pose that you do at the end where you lie on your back and you know get to relax and you get to go inward. And it's actually probably the most important pose of yoga. But what I used to do is as soon as the instructor said you know lie on your back, prepare for shavasanas, I'd spring up. I'd roll up my mat, grab it, and walk out the door. So it's kind of funny um, where I have now landed based on on where I started. Um, I first was introduced to yoga and meditation because I came across a book that my mom had and had a bunch of like yoga poses in it and also a yoga DVD that I saw her doing once. Um, and she was actually doing it because this is when I was a kid and I was uh, quite a bit of a stinker. And we had gotten into a disagreement and I was just being really just a total pain in the butt. And I think that she went and she did this DVD so that she wouldn't just completely lose her mind on me. So I saw her doing that once after I had really been a pain in the butt. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting. Uh, and I still was just very in it for the physical and and not really the, the meditation. I thought that was kind of silly and a little like woo-woo and out there. But things, uh, at least for me, uh, really started to change in my life when I was 16 and my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. And this was definitely probably one of the biggest turning points in my life. So I was her primary caregiver and um, I was going to high school and I was dealing with all the normal stressful things that come with being a uh, overly dramatic 16-year-old girl. And um, this time in my life is not only extremely significant because it's really where I started to explore my interest in yoga beyond the physical realm and really into like meditation and the therapeutic benefits, uh, but it also brought me and my mom uh, closer together. We weren't necessarily as close. Uh, like I said, I was kind of a stinker, um, which is, you know, kind of understating it. I was just a total pain in the butt. And um, it was during this time that, you know, through this this tragedy and this challenge and this hard time that we really... Uh, came together and and I just created this relationship um, with my mom that I never had before and it was something that uh, is just probably one of the greatest things that have ever happened to me and it's really kind of incredible how something beautiful can come out of tragedy like that Um, but I didn't know that at the time that's something obviously in hindsight I can see and so this time was just really challenging um, for everyone of course and being my mom's primary caregiver was really challenging for me and um I wasn't dealing with it well and I I part of the way that I that I coped and tried not to go into you know a super deep dark place was I started to explore um, meditation and yoga and I started doing some guided meditations for grief and stress relief and anxiety and um, my mom and I started doing some things together and we started doing you know some gentle yoga practices and um, some restorative yoga and meditations and even you know some breath some breath things and so it just really struck me the power that that these things had, especially in really, really hard, um, troubling, dark times. Now that it is starting to warm up outside, I feel like these warmer, sunnier days, they're just like 
calling to me. I want to be outside. I want to be busy. I want to be doing things. And I am so glad that when I'm feeling that energy and I want to go and do that I have factor right there in my fridge so that I don't have to worry about tons of prep for food, big messy meals. I don't have to think about like, oh, what am I going to feed myself this week. It's all done for me with Factor. And thanks to Factor's fresh, never frozen meals that are dietitian approved, they're just ready to eat in two minutes. So no matter how busy I get, no matter what the kids have going on, no matter what is on the calendar this spring and summer, I have nutritious, great tasting meals ready to go. And with over 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. I've been loving those add-ons personally. Like you have everything from breakfast to dessert and you can stay fueled with these easy nutritious options you all know my husband likes to take them into the hospital i like them for those busy days where i'm on the go with the kids and i can treat myself to these restaurant quality meals in just two minutes and we're talking really great ingredients here like blackened salmon yes please and all of that without shopping prepping cooking or cleaning up so head to factormeals.com in minutes 50 and use code in minutes 50 to get 50 percent off your first box plus 20 percent off your next month. That's code InMinutes50 at Factormeals.com slash InMinutes50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. So it was during this time that I really kind of ignited my love for yoga just beyond like the physical. I didn't do much with it. Um, And my mom, who is now um, in remission and uh, just is still my biggest supporter and we're still really, really close. Um, But a few years after that, so two years, I went to college. Um, I, I really wasn't interested in college. It was, it was a school that was local. I wanted to stay close, kind of near my mom in Minnesota. And um, it just seemed like the right school for me. And I just, I wasn't even really sure I wanted to go to college. I just, I felt this pull to kind of do something different. But then kind of the peer pressure and the thought of, oh, if I do something different, like, what will people think? And, um, and so I definitely gave in and, you know, went to went to school and checked all the boxes and, and stuff like that. And um, and those four years certainly weren't the greatest for me. Um, I wasn't really your average, like, college kid. I wasn't too interested in that lifestyle. And and I just, I don't know, I kind of struggled to fit in, to make friends. Um, I definitely was not letting my true self show. I felt like I was always just kind of changing and morphing and trying to be someone that, like, people would like instead of just you know, letting my true self show and then kind of, you know, letting the people that liked that then then be close to me. I just was always, you know, trying to be like that chameleon. And it's just kind of a, a tricky time in life, that first time from home and you're in college. And especially for someone like me that kind of had some different interests than your average, you know, 19, 20-year-old kid. Uh, it, it was a little tricky. It definitely were not like the four like greatest years of my life, but I'm certainly glad that uh, – that I did it. And it was during this time, um, I just started feeling so much pressure to be like everyone else. And I just felt like I was so different that I started becoming like very anxious and withdrawn. And um, I started to become very concerned with like my appearance and my weight and just in a way that I really didn't like. And it was starting to get in the way of of my life. So the winter of my junior year, uh, once I kind of recognized these these signs in me and saw, you know, that, that these 
kind of concerning things were starting to pop up, um, I decided to turn back to yoga and meditation to get myself back on track because it helped um, when my mom was sick. And so I was hoping that it would help during this this challenging time too. So it just so happened that right around this time, um, there's a small studio in the town that I went to school in and um, they offered like a special in January where you can students could get a whole month of unlimited yoga for like 40 bucks. And that's like all I could afford. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, you know, do this special and I'm going to go every single day. I'm going to try all the different classes and just like, throw myself back into it and I did I I think that doing this you know one month of yoga every day and trying all the different styles is the first time I ever really took um, classes and like hatha yoga or um, you know took from a lot of different and skilled teachers and it really just opened my eyes to how much more there was to yoga than just like these physical poses and and shapes um, and so I, I did that, and then I, after that month was done, I would go when I could afford it, and then I did a lot of practice, like, on my own, and this was still a little bit before, like, the online yoga game had really, like, exploded, so just a lot of, like, self-study and um, and practice. And then when I uh, finished college, when I graduated, uh, the week after I graduated, I started my first yoga teacher training. So I went to that same studio uh, that was in the town that I was going to school and just so happened they had a training starting. And and so I decided to do it. And I spent that summer after graduation just completely immersing myself in yoga. And and I just, it was, it was incredible. I can't, I don't know how else to explain it. It was just a, an incredible experience. And I just spent the whole summer just learning about yoga and and my mind was just blown like I had an idea that yoga is more than just like these physical poses um but I didn't really understand like the full breadth of it so um you know I was learning about like the eight limbs to yoga we had a really skilled teacher that um was just very knowledgeable in meditation and she taught us all about that we did um you know we did chanting we learned about sanskrit we you know studied the yoga sutras and we read the yamas and the niyamas which is still one of my favorite books to this day and I now assign it in my teacher trainings and and I also learned that it's so much harder to teach yoga than I thought like I was not I was just kind of like blown away by how hard it is to teach a yoga class and there's so much more to it than I I ever imagined and and I also really learned like how inspiring a yoga teacher could be there's still things that during this time that maybe in class or something that one of my teachers would just say something and to them maybe it was just like a comment in passing or it was just a thought that they had or you know some small thing but it just had such a deep impact on me that it's still something that sticks with me and that really opened my eyes to just how powerful and inspirational um, a teacher can be and it also really um, it really just kind of opened my eyes to what kind of a teacher that I would want to be one day and and how important that connection between student and teacher is and I still remember you know I had several teachers that were working on my teacher training and and the ones that I still you know like to go and take classes from or see what they're up to are the ones that took the time to really like see me and help me learn and connect with me and and it just it made all the difference to have those teachers like really truly like see me and take interest in my learning and um yeah, just really, it really showed me what kind of a teacher I wanted to be. And it just kind of changed my whole outlook at life, especially when I learned about how yoga is 
much more of a lifestyle than a practice. It's, you know, it's the way that you interact with yourself and others. It's, you know, what you do in tricky situations. It's, you know, it's, it's everything, your life, your whole life can be a practice of yoga. And that was a concept that I had no idea about um, until I did this teacher training. So I did, after that summer, I graduated uh, my teacher training and, um, and I, I just kind of went back to normal adult life. Like I never thought that yoga would ever really be my career. Um, and mostly because I was so worried about checking all the boxes and, you know, I was 22 and, and I was worried about like what society said I should do. And I wanted to just follow that linear path of, okay, I go to college and then in college I meet a guy that I'm going to marry. And then, you know, we stay together and then I go and I get quote a real job. And then I start climbing the ladder in that job and then I get married and then I have kids and just I was so wrapped up and like this is what you're supposed to do and also kind of stuck in this wheel of comparison where like everyone was sharing you know what they were doing or what jobs they had gotten or this or that and whatever and I just felt so much pressure to to continue to do that so I just um I did I did check all the boxes uh and and I just kind of I kept yoga in my back pocket and I taught a little bit I subbed a little bit um, and then at the same time, I got a job at an uptail retail uh, store or an upscale retail store. And um, I started like just in sales, so working on like the floor and styling people. And then eventually I was working in management and then I just taught yoga on the side, but still like a very physical practice, like a lot of power yoga, yoga sculpt, that sort of stuff. It was kind of like a, like a yoga workout. Um, but then after a couple of years in 2014, my now husband, but then boyfriend, um, he got into medical school in Missouri and asked me to go with him. So I'll be completely honest and admit that I was not on board at first. And um, the first time that I saw where he wanted me to move, which was a small, like, isolated rural part of Missouri, I definitely cried. <laughs> and I cried a lot. It was a very, very uncomfortable drive. It, just all of Iowa was basically just silent tears. It was very uncomfortable. Uh, and it got off to a little bit of a rocky start because um, I vainly just like thought about, you know, my awesome schnazzy life in the Twin Cities and how I was going to be going from an apartment like on one of the best corners in town where I could just walk to anything. I was in this buzzy metropolis and to a place that was so rural that the closest Target and ethnic restaurant was over 90 minutes away. And I was just like, wow, this is just, it was just very, very different and a little bit um, surprising. So I did, um, I did the very logical thing uh, that any 24-year-old woman would do. And I, after, you know, I cried quite a bit and uh, really stewed over it. And um, well, maybe I didn't do quite everything that your average 24-year-old would do. I I did go and um, I kind of just like went into myself and gazed inward and um, and I, I cleared my mind and I just asked myself, like, should I go? And I just waited for an answer and I decided I was going to be okay with whichever answer came to me. And, and the one that came to me was go and do something different. And so then I did maybe what other 24-year-olds would do. And so I said, okay, I'll go, but um, not without a commitment from my husband, then boyfriend, and not without a puppy. So I told my husband that I'll go, um, but I'm not going to go as your girlfriend, and I need a puppy 
slash friend to go with me. And all of this apparently just seemed perfectly reasonable (laughs) enough to him. So within a few months, we were engaged and we got our dog Mila and we headed off to Missouri. So, you know, that's that's just the real honest truth of how it went down. So when I first got there, um, it was definitely a rough few days. I was kind of just feeling a little bit of like culture shock and I was just like, was this the right decision? And just was, it was just really, really hard. And um, after a few days of kind of like wallowing and having this pity party, I just sort of had this moment of like, just kind of like digging deep and like looking into my soul. And I just had a moment where I decided that this could either be the worst two years of my life. Um, or I could say, you know, screw it. I'm going to give this a try. I'm going to, I'm going to do something different and I'm going to be bold. I'm going to try to, to teach yoga. Like I've always dreamt of. And so from that moment, I started building the foundation of what would eventually become yoga for you. Um, it started with just one class a week. And then I worked like a million other jobs to get the bills paid while my husband went to school. So I was like scrubbing toilets at a gym and folding towels there. And I was babysitting and I was working like front desks places I was doing just like anything that I could to get a paycheck and then was teaching my one class and that class turned into another and then another and another and eventually I started branching out teaching other locations and taking on private clients and it really just over time um, started to snowball in a really great way and um, I was definitely challenged as a teacher to learn more about the less physical aspects of yoga um, in this community because a lot of my students and clients weren't like your traditional yogis. So um, they had maybe less mobility or maybe they had had no experience with yoga Um they just were maybe a little bit less mobile and uh, they weren't just – they just didn't need a big, powerful, strong physical class. They just needed something that was a little bit gentler, a little bit slower, a lot of like beginner's practices, maybe something that's a little bit more reflective and mindful. Maybe they're just there to you know, get their blood pressure under control and be less stressed out, whatever it is. But they didn't necessarily need that big, strong physical power practice that I was comfortable with. So this really challenged me to go and um, learn more about some of the non-physical aspects of yoga. So anytime something came up um, and I, I didn't I didn't know, I'd just be like, you know, I don't know, but I'm going to find out for you. And again, I lived in a very small town. I was married to a med student, so I just had, you know, I didn't know anyone there, so I just had a lot of time on my hands. And I really started to do a ton of like self-study and exploration and challenged myself to acquire these tools that I needed to be able to serve my students And um, then I found that I really started to get like a lot of questions about meditation and people wanted to know how to do it. They had a lot of questions about it. Um, And so again, I did, you know, something just very typical and logical. Not really. Um, And I went online and I found a group of Buddhist monks that lived in the middle of the Mark Twain forest in southern Missouri and specialized in meditation. And so I sent them an email and I asked if I could come learn from them. And yes, Buddhist monks do email. I said, I mean, I can't speak for all of them, but at least some of these do. And uh, to my surprise, they said, yeah, come on down. Come live with us. Come learn with us. Study. We're happy to, we're happy to teach you. And um, so, <laughs> so I told, uh, so I said, okay, I'm coming. And uh, I decided that I was going to go and I told uh, my mom and my husband and they both kind of had the same reaction where they thought that uh, these definitely weren't monks, that this was definitely like a serial killer and I was going to go to the middle of the Mark Twain forest and um, definitely get killed. And I just, 
I thought I thought it was legit. I, spoiler alert, they were legit. It ended up fine. But in the moment, I was like, I don't know. This seems legit. Like, my intuition is just really telling me to go do this. Like, if I feel uncomfortable, I'll just leave. And so I did probably this isn't something I recommend that a lot of people do just like hey like meet you know someone on the internet and they say they're a group of monks and then you go and you go into the forest and study with them but in my case it turned out just fine so I went and I got my car and I drove down I was gonna be with them for a couple weeks and um and I get there and it was legit it you know it was and it ended up being incredible but they took you know my cell phone but then I told they took everything and I said well you, you know you can't actually take my cell phone because my mom is convinced that you are actually serial killers or this is a cult or something so I promised her I would text her every day and let her know I was still alive so they took everything and then they let me text my mom once a day so that she knew that I was that I was alive and well so I went and um I stayed and I studied and and it was just so transformative it was one of the hardest things I've ever done I mean you go and you have to be silent the whole time which is like nearly impossible for me because I just I'm just a chatterbox I always have been and um so you have to be silent and you just meditate all day long. And they they specialize in a kind of meditation called TWIM, Tranquil Wisdom Insight Meditation. You've probably heard me talk about it um, once or twice. And um, it's also known as loving kindness meditation. And and so it would go, like the day would go, you'd wake up at like 4.30 or 5 and you'd go and um, you'd meditate in the morning and then you'd have breakfast in a little bit. Then you'd get a chore so they'd give you some kind of, you know, maybe I had to sweep the floors or like one like the worst one was like I had to go and they had kind of like a lot of cobblestones that went between like the meditation hall and the dining hall and I had to pick like the tiny little like weeds that were sprouting up in between each cobblestone like just get on my hands and knees and start picking them all up for like the whole pathway and took forever and um, the point of it was obviously to teach you to be able to be mindful with these tasks and like how can you find joy in these things and just being present and um, and it was tricky and it was hard and I I felt the urge to talk so sometimes I'd talk and I'd get in trouble and I had a really hard time sitting and meditating and staying focused and you know I met with my teacher I met with Bonte and um you know I, I challenged him a little bit he challenged me back and it was really tough and then I just started I just you know I didn't give up and I stuck with it and and I had some experiences like in my meditation that I just I can't even describe and it was I just felt like my meditation I learned so much in my meditation practice just became so much stronger in you know those two weeks or 12 days that I was there than than it had in you know years and it just really inspired me and like ignited my love for meditation so I went you know I did that whole thing stayed with stayed with my monks and my time was up I went back um, to my community and I started sharing and teaching a lot more about meditation and um and just sharing my love and and my passion for it um so yeah and then and then it was um it was then after this, maybe about a year later after the monks, um, that I felt like I had plateaued in my teaching and then I didn't have enough tools again. So I went and I did a 300-hour teacher training in Bali. So I went there and stayed there for about six weeks and I really deepened my knowledge like in meditation and yoga nidra, restorative yoga, hatha yoga. Um, and I came back with these new tools and kind of have reignited my passion for teaching and, and I just started sharing them and kind of you know, using them and infusing them in what I was, what I was sharing. And I had, um, I had just opened up my own yoga studio in that community and, um, yeah, and things were going well and, 
and the studio was doing well and um, I knew that was going to be my last year there in, in Missouri. We thought we were only going to be there for two years. We ended up being there for three and so this last final year I knew I was going to be moving on to somewhere else. And so finally after some push from my students because um, I was too afraid to take the leap myself um, but they really pushed me and encouraged me to then start my own 200-hour teacher training so that then when I left um, later that year the yoga community could still live on and there could be teachers there and um, you know, they could just, they could just continue on with what I had started. And, and I'm really grateful for them giving me that push and that kick in the butt. And, and so I did it and it was terrifying and I was afraid and I was worried that like I would look silly or fail my students or that I wouldn't be good enough or that, you know, I, that it would be a huge failure. Um, and it was terrifying, but I did it anyways. And that was my first ever 200 hour teacher training. And and it's probably still one of the fondest memories that I have for my whole teaching career. And not only because of my gratitude for the students that trusted me to lead them on that journey, especially on my first try, but also um, of the big, huge, like, fear hurdle that I had to go over um, to, to do it, to create a training and to offer it and, and be there for my students. And so it's definitely one of the highlights of uh, my career so far. And I do still offer that um, periodically. So I do still offer um, that same training, maybe like once a year or once every other year. Um, and then I started to, uh, then I, well, then I sold my studio and I moved to Michigan. And um, when I moved, I really struggled uh, because I just, I left everything behind and I went from just having this huge, super busy schedule and things were just great and booming and then I moved to a new city and you know I don't I don't know anyone there I don't have any students I don't have any clients I don't have a studio and it was just like it was just absolute crickets and so I just I had to look at what I was doing objectively um I mean giving up on my dream certainly was an option but also basically being unemployed uh when I'm married to a student was also not an option so um I went back to what I always do. I started working a bunch of different jobs, getting the bills paid, and then and then I started to change my business model. And I, I knew we'd only be in Michigan for a year and a half, maybe two years. So I didn't want to have to struggle again when we moved wherever um, when I had to just leave everything and start again at ground zero. So that's when I started creating like what you would recognize now as Yoga For You, which is location-independent yoga and meditation school while I was working all of these kind of like random jobs. So now, um, so that's when like, that's when I started, you know, offering like my first retreat and, um, I started this podcast and I did my first ever kind of like offshoot training where it was just a standalone training, um, in both, uh, I did one in meditation and one in yoga nidra so people could get continued at hours and they could learn about, um, these specialties that, that I knew quite a bit about. And so I started to build that, um, and it just... It just continued to snowball again, which has been really incredible. Like when I started this podcast, I had no idea that it would turn into what it is today. I just I wanted it to be a way that I could connect with my students back in um, back in Missouri and you know give them guided meditations and and help my new teachers if they needed help with you know guided meditations or whatever. Like that's all it started as, and I had no idea that it would turn into um, such a big thing when there's just. There's just so many of you listening and, and it's really, really incredible and listening all over the world and it's not anything that I ever I ever thought it would become. Um, but I'm obviously incredibly grateful that it has and really touched that like so many people are interested in what I have to say and find um, my work to be impactful and helpful. 
And um, and then I continued to grow like my retreats. And so now I offer um, like four to six retreats a year, both domestically and internationally. And and then I travel all over offering um, those same trainings and of course doing a lot with this podcast and then um, some other projects that I then that I then work on. And um, yeah, so that's kind of I guess that kind of takes us up to um, to today and, and where we are. And and I just I that's what yoga for you is and it's something I mean I just I believe so deeply in the connection between student and teacher and and honestly that's why most of what I do is still in person even though it's not from one location like where I am um you know it's still like like I will never send an assistant or another teacher or anyone else to do anything that I'm offering it's it's because I believe so deeply in that connection that I want to be there and I want to be the one teaching students and helping them learn and grow and just building that bond. And and that's why Yoga Free will always be a one-person show. And it's it's just because, I mean, probably it'll stunt my growth at some point, but I'm okay with that. It's just I believe so much in the power of connecting um, with a teacher and spending one-on-one time and being able to customize things and being able to build the bond and just being fully invested in the education and growth of my teachers and my students and I just never want to feel like my students are necessarily like reliant on me. I just want them to get what they need for growth and give them the tools and then they can go back to wherever they are and they can just grow and they can thrive wherever they're at. Um, And then if they ever need something more, they can always come back. But I don't want them to ever feel like, you know, the secret to their success is me. It's not. The secret to their own success is them. And like the secret to your own success is you. I just, I just like to be able to provide the tools and then, and then sit back and kind of watch, um, watch you just grow and thrive and do incredible things. Um, so one of, um, one of my favorite things in the whole world is, uh, just giving people the tools and giving them the tools that they need, especially like with this podcast to help people connect with their true self or build a new skill or just find joy where they're at and just give people like the gift of stillness and being able to turn inward. And, and that's just, that's one of my favorite things. And I also love uh, being able to travel and take students and teachers to some of my favorite places in the whole world. And, and then also kind of explore and discover some new ones with them too. So that's, certainly one of my favorite elements of what I do and um yeah so I guess that brings us up to to today so the yoga for you that you're familiar with um a completely location independent yoga meditation school that really aims to bring just joy to this world and give people what they need to grow and thrive wherever they're at um I always yoga for you and the yoga for you method is a way of teaching that's just very like grounded and real and is very student-based and it shares some of the less physical aspects of yoga um and and just shares some of the maybe the more forgotten limbs of yoga other than asana or the physical poses um yeah and so now I live uh back in the twin cities we just moved here again with my husband and my sweet girl Mila and um who was just like the light of my world and I spend my days uh most of my days just doing a lot of work on this podcast, um, traveling for retreats and trainings and mentoring other yoga meditation teachers and trying to spread the word about my mission in this life and just helping people create meditation and yoga practices that, that fit their life and where they're at. And, um, 
and then also working on um, some other up and coming projects. So before this gets way super long, um, with my my stories, I thought I would just take this chance to answer um, some of the questions that I get asked all the time, whether it's like in emails or in interviews or DMs. Um, so I thought I'd just answer them all here in case you're curious. So number one, do I do yoga every day? No, I do not physically practice yoga every day, but I certainly do try to live my yoga in my words actions, thoughts, and interactions with the world and myself every single day. So I do not physically practice yoga every day, but I try to live my yoga every day. What kind of dog is Mila? (laughs) People ask me this all the time. Um, Mila is a Newfoundland and she is five and she is probably the greatest dog on the entire planet. And I just, I just love her so much. She has been with me through every single twist and turn in this journey and in this life and she's just kind of been my one constant thing so every time we move and I don't know anyone and I'm lonely or whatever I have my girl with me um anytime I record including right now I record in my home I actually record in my closet um she lays right next to me and either takes a nap or just kind of relaxes and sits by me so she is just she's my little sweetie girl what made you start a podcast? So I started a podcast just as a way for my students back in Missouri to be able to still practice with me and to share meditation with them. And um, and yeah, that's why I started it. And, and now it's just turned into something so much greater and, and it's really incredible. Uh, where will my next retreat be? Slash where am I going next in my travels for trainings? So I, other than the places that you already know, um, which is I'm certainly going back to Toronto and I'll be in Maryland a little bit in 2019. Um, And then, of course, next month I'll be in Peru and then I'll be going to the UK and Bali in the fall. But those you already know about. Other than that, I've kind of been trying to decide doing some, you know, reflecting on, on what's coming up next. But I absolutely feel myself just being pulled towards um, going back to Iceland I'm not sure what capacity yet, but I really think that's something that will be happening. Um, and also Italy has been speaking to me. So maybe going and um, spending some summer sunshine in Italy, maybe doing some yoga and some meditation, maybe sampling a little wine, having a little pizza. Those are all things that I really enjoy. And yeah, I also have a huge love affair with New Zealand and Scandinavia. I basically am obs- I'm just obsessed with like any place that is just super green and like very simple and mountainous and then also has like water like ocean that has kind of like a rocky shore that's just like there's just something about those places that just speak to me so much so that's certainly returning to New Zealand and exploring more places in Scandinavia are on my radar too Uh, what advice do I have for new teachers so that would be think about what you have to say so what do you have to say how do you want to say it and who and who do you want to say it to, you know, and basically how do you want to say it, what modality, um, and then just start doing it. So reflect on those, you know, what, what do you have to say? Like, what do you have to say with your teaching? Who are you going to say it to? What's the best way to get to them? Um, and then just start doing it. I mean, these things are not built overnight. You just heard my whole story. I mean, it's, this is something that I've been working on and refining and I'm obviously still working on it and learning more and building and growing and failing and trying again and and it's been years. Um, so these things aren't built overnight and so just be patient with yourself and things will come and just 
you know, it sounds so cheesy, but just just don't don't give up on yourself. Um, also to never stop learning or being the student. So every new thing that you learn is something that you can add to your toolbox and share with your students. And then finally, teach from your heart and try not to compare yourself to the other teachers around you. They may be doing something that's similar to you, but they do not do it the way that you will do it. So there is a student for every teacher and a teacher for every student, but not every student is for every teacher and not every teacher is for every student. Um, I believe in this very much. It's, I mean, there's lots of people out there doing what I do and it's just about finding your tribe and finding your people and, um, and then connecting with them and, and serving them really as teachers. We're, we're just, we're here to serve. Um, what has been the biggest struggle on my journey? So, My biggest internal struggle has definitely been the struggle to self-acceptance and getting over my fear, putting myself out there. And, you know, I've always just, especially when I was younger, um, I've always, you know, I was always insecure about like not being enough or not knowing enough. Or I had this like complex about always being way younger um, than my students. And, And so I think my internal struggle has just been kind of believing in myself and getting over that fear. And then I would say my biggest external struggle um, has been with kind of like collaboration and acceptance in the yoga community. So I've unfortunately run into kind of a lot of um, fellow teachers and studio owners and peers that have either like not believed in me or tried to stifle my voice or, you know, let their own internal pain kind of seep into those around them, creating um, uncomfortable and hostile work environments and just kind of creating a mindset and feeling of like lack and competition and like fear And that's something that I think is absolutely, like, avoidable, and it's something that I hear from a lot of other teachers. So if I could share, like, one message with the yoga community or fix one thing, I guess it would be to just have people stop competing and start collaborating. It's like we're all here to share the practice of yoga with our students, and and let's just start living and running our businesses in a way that really aligns with our our teachings and, you know, kind kind of really walking the walk. Um, and that's something that I see. I definitely see that ch- change happening, and it makes me really optimistic. And it's just something that, um, you know, I, I think if we – I think a lot of times the way that we treat those around us reflect the way that we treat ourselves. So maybe if we kind of go back to the basics and look inward and think, you know, how are we feeling about ourselves? Like, what are the words that we say to ourselves? Things like that. And if we can work on being a little kinder and nicer and uplifting to ourselves, that it will probably seep into um, the world around us. Okay, and then very last question, because I've been talking for a long time. Um, What happens on a Yoga For You retreat? So I guess sometimes they seem a little mysterious. Um, So usually, like a typical day on a retreat is maybe we will wake up in the morning, do um, a morning practice that goes with whatever the theme for the day and the retreat is, then maybe have like a good nourishing breakfast and take some time just like to relax and um, reset and you know, take a shower, read a book, whatever you want to do. And and then maybe we'll do something, just a little something before lunch. And then after lunch, we might do like an afternoon session. So it might be like a workshop with me or it might be some kind of like a special class like breath work or maybe we do like energy healing or aura cleansing or just something kind of fun. Or maybe I'll teach you um, about like 
teaching or um, setting up your meditation practice or maybe we'll just do times where people can come and talk to me and we can kind of troubleshoot things and then in the evenings we always do some kind of like an evening class whether it's like restorative yoga with a guided meditation or maybe yoga nidra or something just like to unwind and relax so that's like a typical day and then if we're on an international retreat then we have some days that we mix in where you get to do kind of like touristy things too so we'll all go and do like like when you're in Iceland we did like a golden circle tour when we're in Peru we'll go do Machu Picchu or maybe you have like a free day where you can just go do whatever you want to do or explore the city and and so we have like a combination of traditional retreat days and then also you get to go and explore um, the place that you're at so that's kind of what we do on on a retreat and it's just really awesome and and wonderful and retreats are probably one of my favorite things because I I just get the opportunity to connect with my students so much and and just get to know them and, and help them and spend, you know, a few days up to a whole week. And, and it's really powerful. And, and it's just nice. Sometimes you need to just reset and, and unplug. And, and it's just, yeah, they're awesome. They're awesome. And I probably need to go on my own retreat one of these days um, for those same benefits. So that's all that I have for you guys. I am so, if you're still listening, I'm so grateful that you turned it, that you tuned into this. And, and I know that it's so different from what I usually do. And it's, it's been very odd to just speak into my microphone and, you know, not be interviewed or share a meditation or something and just, just open up and share my story and share how I got here. And and my hope with this podcast is that um, these guided meditations can help you the way that guided meditations and yoga meditation in general have helped me and and that um, you know the topics are real kind of tactile things real life struggles and that you can use these as tools to help get through those and just find joy where you're at and really connect with something deeper and kind of live that that joyful life um, so if you have any questions you of course know where to find me you can find me on instagram and facebook um, yoga for you on facebook and yoga for you online on instagram or you can visit the website, yogafreeonline.com, or send me an email, info at yogafreeonline.com. And I will be back on Sunday with a meditation. And thanks again for tuning in. I'm just, every single one of you that listened to this podcast is, I can't even express how, how grateful I am for you. And, you know, you just took like 40 minutes out of your day to listen to my story. And, and I know your time is very valuable. And so I'm really grateful for that. And I hope that you have a good rest of your day and I'll see you on Sunday with the meditation.